Hi, I'm Rumbi, and I'm just a normal Christian girl doing what she loves to do, and that's speaking about Jesus. Welcome to my podcast. A space where we motivate, encourage, and help each other walk boldly in our journeys with God. Each week, we discuss lessons from the Bible, relevant topics, and much more. So grab your Bible, bring your coffee and pens, and let's dive straight into today's episode. I'm your host, Rumbi Tsachimisa, and welcome to Just a Normal Christian Girl Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Just a Normal Christian Girl Podcast. I'm Rumbi, and I'm so happy that you are joining me for this episode. As always, before we get into this, I just wanted to quickly remind you of something. I wanted to remind you that you are chosen by God. I'm reading the book of Jeremiah right now and I must say I'm really enjoying it. And the first bit of the first chapter speaks about the calling of Jeremiah. And in verses 4 to 5, God says this to him. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. And when God says this, he isn't only referring to Jeremiah, but also you and I. Before God formed you in your mother's womb, he chose you. He set you apart before you were born. And guys, I've been thinking about these two verses this week. And I just find it so remarkable. Because firstly, God formed you. You are God's masterpiece. You were created by the very hands of God Almighty. And God is very intentional about what he does and he never makes mistakes. So the little things about ourselves that we maybe don't like, the different characteristics that make up who we are, God thought about those very things when he made you. You see guys, God made you the way you are for a reason. And secondly, we are chosen by the king of kings himself. You know, as a teenager, I've been alive for 17 years now, 18 in Jan, and I'm so excited for that. But looking back, I've done some pretty creative and dumb things to try and gain the approval and acceptance from others and I would either gain the approval or I would gain the approval but it wouldn't last forever or my plan would totally backfire and I wouldn't gain the approval not because of the lack of effort on my part but because I think we can all agree that sometimes it's hard to gain acceptance and approval from everyone. But guys, we have a God who has seen us at our lowest, knows all of our flaws and sins, and still accepts us. I mean, he doesn't accept our sin or approve of our sin, but he accepts us. And this acceptance, his acceptance, is not dependent on our performance. It's not temporary. It does not have conditions. He accepts us not because we're all great, but because our Savior Jesus is all great. Guys, 
God has chosen us to be his children. He has chosen us to spend eternity in heaven with him if we accept Jesus. I mean, what high honor, what high blessing can a girl ask for? And thirdly, God thought and still thinks about us. He still thinks about you. I mean, what does God, the creator of the universe, even think about? Apparently, you and I. We, you and I, existed in the mind and the plan of God before we even existed in our mother's wombs. And I've said this quote on my podcast before, I think I have, but here we go again. How cool is it that the same God that created mountains, oceans, galaxies, thought that the universe needed one of you two. And I don't know about you guys, but that makes me feel pretty dang special. So start your day, start your week, start your night, start your whatever, knowing that you are a chosen people. Not only that, but the Bible says that you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, God's special possession, called to do amazing things for his kingdom. And you know, just hearing myself say that, that shouldn't make us feel as if we're better than everybody else. No, we're all the same. We're all sinners who need Jesus. It just helps you realize your identity. It helps you realize and know your value and worth and how these things are not found in other people. Um, They're not found in your job or your physics marks or your weight or your appearance, but rather in God. So guys, cling on to grab onto, don't let go of all these amazing things God says about you. Amen. So guys, in this episode, I'm going to be reading in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. This passage speaks about the time when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. You know, throughout Jesus' ministry, he faced many temptations. For example, this one I'm about to read to you, where he was tempted three times by the devil. Or if you read some of the Gospels in the Bible, you will read about times where people would try to, keyword here, try to trick Jesus into saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing in order to get him to sin and mess up and just the normal everyday temptations um, that we go through and experience. But despite all this, Jesus set the perfect example for us and he never sinned. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 15 that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. So Jesus faced all the same temptations we face today, yet he did not give in to them. So I don't know about you guys, but I think we can learn a lot from his story. So get comfy, Grab some snacks right now 
I'm craving some good caramel popcorn. If you're doing something while listening to this episode, relax a bit and let's get into the Bible. So again, Matthew 4 verses 1 to 11 and I'll be reading in the CSB Christian Standard Bible Version. The Temptation of Jesus Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and the angels began to serve him. So, after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, he was led by the Spirit into wilderness to be tempted by the devil after he fasted for 40 days. Now imagine 40 days by yourself, just you and God, plus no food. I mean, the you and God part sounds pretty good, but imagine not eating for 40 days straight. I mean, I personally don't think I can survive a week without food. I mean, if I don't eat breakfast, I'm already in a bad mood. So forget a whole day without eating. I've watched recently videos on YouTube where people go on a water fast for long periods of time. And I get how they can survive a day or two, max three, without food and only water. But some people do a week or more and I just don't understand how they can do that. Personally, I don't see myself going on a water fast, but hey, kudos to them, right? So just try picture how hungry Jesus must be in this moment. And not eating doesn't just affect your hunger, but your energy levels, your emotions, plus a bunch of other things. So the first thing I found interesting about the story was that Jesus was not tempted when he was at his strongest physically. After fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, imagine the heat, he was tired, he was hungry, he was at his lowest physically, and he was vulnerable. And that just shows that throughout this whole temptation period, he was not relying on his physical strength or well-being, 
but rather the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit to get him through it. If you read a few verses before chapter 4, so Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 to 17, as I said before, um, in these verses Jesus was baptized by John. And I want to read a bit of that. So Matthew 3 verses 16 to 17. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So at this moment, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And on top of that, he had just spent 40 days with God and God alone. And so as you can imagine, Throughout this period, his faith grew stronger, he grew spiritually, and so even though he was physically weak, even though his flesh was weak, his spirit was strong. You see guys, we cannot be dependent on our physical strength. We cannot be dependent on our flesh. We cannot be dependent on how we feel in the moment. I mean, if I hadn't eaten for 40 days, I probably wouldn't feel anything, I probably would be dead. We cannot be dependent on our emotions to get us through temptation. Because many times, if we allow the way we feel in the moment, if we allow our emotions or our flesh to guide us, we're going to end up giving into the temptation anyway and disobeying God. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit living inside of us. You see, as Christians, children of God, we need to understand that the same Spirit that descended onto Jesus when he was baptized, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead when he was crucified, is the same Spirit that lives inside you and I as believers, no questions asked. And because the Holy Spirit lives inside us, we have everything we need to say no to temptation and walk in obedience. So yes, we need to focus on our physical appearance. It's important that we look good people. We need to work out and eat healthy, get our greens in, get our vitamins in frequently. But we need to place more of our attention on our spirit. We need to make sure that we're growing spiritually and that we're feeding our spirit man the right food. In the last episode, I spoke with Jaden Gomez, the host of the Bible Basics and Beyond podcast. And honestly, I had such a fun time having a conversation with him. And we briefly spoke about this. And I try to quote this verse, which I couldn't remember properly, but I have it in front of me right now. So 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, and this is how the Good News Translation puts it. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life, both for the present and for the future. So yes, Physical exercise is good, it's great, we should not neglect it. 
But again, as I said, we need to place small foul changing on our spirit and ways in which we can, as the verse says, engage in spiritual exercise is reading our Bibles, memorizing scripture, making sure that we are consuming the right things, taking in things that are good for us, things that are helping us grow, and not consuming like watching or listening to things that are destructive and not benefiting us. So, Whenever you're facing temptation, we should not rely on our physical strength or our flesh, but rather in those moments, pray and ask the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit which lives inside us, to help us. So now I want to focus on the three different temptations that Jesus went through. The first one is found in verses 3 to 4. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In the first temptation, Satan tempts Jesus to misuse his power. After going 40 days without food, again Jesus was hungry. And so Satan wanted Jesus to use his power for selfish purposes and to satisfy his flesh by turning stones into bread. Satan wanted Jesus to focus on his physical weakness, his hunger, his desire for food. Satan wanted Jesus to focus on his problem. And then he casually gives Jesus a suggestion, a solution on how to fix this problem. But this solution required that Jesus operate from his own strength and act independently from God. Satan wanted Jesus to not trust and wait for God's timing, wait for God's provision, and ultimately take matters into his own hands. I mean, if you are the son of God, surely you have the power to fix this problem that you have. Why would you wait for God to provide food for you if you're hungry now? Why not turn these stones into food yourself? And many times, Satan does the same thing to us. He will get us to focus on our problem, focus on our lack, and then plant a suggestion in our heads on how to fix this problem. But this solution requires us to operate from our own strength, to act apart from God, to disobey God, and to act outside of God's timing. I mean, think about the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were in their old age, and they wanted to have children, but Sarah couldn't fall pregnant. And initially, God promised Abraham that they would have a child, But after many years went by and they got older and older, Sarah didn't fall pregnant. And so they got tired of waiting and they decided to take matters into their own hands. So if you know the story, Sarah got her husband to sleep with their servant girl in order to have a son this way. But this was never what God wanted. And so because they were so focused on their problem of not having a child, they took the shortcut, they took the easy way, 
They took matters into their own hands. They acted in their own wisdom and strength, which is really foolishness to God. They acted independently from God and outside of God's timing, which is what Satan wants us to do. But hey, even when we fall into this trap, there's grace and God makes provision for our humanity. Amen to that. But Jesus responds to Satan by quoting Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. And it says, He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When you look at this verse in context, this verse speaks about the time where Jesus led the Israelites into the wilderness to teach them to be obedient and dependent on him and him alone. So when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they had no food and they complained to Moses and Aaron, whatever his name is. And so God provided them with manna to eat, but they had to follow specific instructions that God gave them. And you can read about this if you want in Exodus chapter 16. But during this period, again, God told them to be obedient. He told them to be totally dependent on him, but to also trust in God's timing and provision, no matter what their circumstances look like. And so what Jesus is saying to Satan here is, that obedience to God is more important than allowing your needs, allowing your problems, your desires to guide your actions. So yes, Jesus was hungry. Yes, he wanted food um, and he had the power to provide food for himself. But then again, by doing that, he would not be depending on God. And so Jesus decided to trust in God's provision and timing and decided to submit to the will of his father, which is what we're called to do as well. The second temptation is found in verses 5 to 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In the second temptation, Satan takes Jesus to a very high place and tells him to throw himself off. And he tells Jesus that when he does this, the angels will come and rescue him. Now imagine this moment in your hair for a sec. Let's say, hypothetically, you were taking a good stroll, having some great karma popcorn, peanut M&Ms, having a normal average day. And all of a sudden, this person jumps off a very high tower and lands on the ground peacefully, not hurt at all, as if nothing just happened. I don't know about you guys, but I would be amazed. Actually, amazed isn't even the word I would use to describe 
this moment. And I think we can all agree that this alone would attract a big crowd and as a result, this person would gain a lot of popularity instantly. They would gain a big following and go trending. And that's the same thing that would happen if Jesus would jump off a very high tower and allow the angels to rescue him. He would gain popularity instantly from the beginning of his ministry. He would already have a large crowd following him and he would already have people believing that he is the Messiah. But this was never what God wanted. It was never God's plan. And God didn't want things to happen this way. And so the devil tempts Jesus to do this and then disguises this temptation by quoting scripture to back up what he's saying. But not everyone who quotes scripture to you knows what they're talking about. Not everyone who quotes scripture to you has the best interest in mind. Not everyone who quotes scripture to you is correct. And it's not like it's the Bible or the scripture that's a problem, but rather the person who's quoting it. Either they will quote certain parts of the verse and leave the rest out, or they will quote the Bible out of its original context. And when a person does this, they can use scripture to defend whatever argument they will have. And so this is what Satan does here. He quotes Psalms 91 verses 11 to 12. This verse is supposed to teach us that God is our source of safety and the one we can put all of our trust in. But Satan, very sneaky, intentionally misquoted this verse and took it out of its original context. He twisted this verse for his own evil purpose to encourage Jesus to test God. He's telling Jesus to intentionally put himself in danger, in harm's way, so that God would save him. But Jesus knew the scripture for himself. He knew what Satan was trying to do. He did not fall into the temptation. And he responds to Satan by quoting scripture a second time. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. The biggest thing I took away from the second temptation is that Satan knows scripture. Best believe that Satan knows the Bible and he will take scripture and twist it in whatever way he sees fits and turn it into a lie. Even when you look at and compare the scripture that Satan misquoted to Jesus and the original scripture, again, Psalms 91 verses 11 to 12, Upon first glance, they both look the same. I mean, when I was reading the story and even preparing for this episode, in my head I was like, what's wrong with what Satan is saying here? I mean, he's just quoting the Bible. But when you look closer, he intentionally left out a few words and took the verse out of its context 
to tempt Jesus to disobey God. And think about this. If he will do this to the Son of God, if he will twist scripture to Jesus, a man who probably knew scripture on the top of his head when he was a man on earth because he studied it, how much more will he do to you and I today? And Satan doesn't even have to change the verse a lot. I mean, it can be the smallest difference and we can still be tempted to believe that what he's saying is true. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Guys, the devil is very clever and very sneaky. I mean, he's been tempting and lying to people for many years, so he knows what he's doing. And so we shouldn't underestimate the power of the devil. But we also shouldn't fear him because we got Jesus on our side. Amen to that. And secondly, that is why it's so important that we know scripture for ourselves. And that we shouldn't believe what everyone tells us. I mean, don't believe everything I say. Again, just because someone quotes a Bible to you doesn't mean they're correct. So I want to encourage you to seek the truth for yourself, not your truth, the truth. We shouldn't get into this habit where we believe everything that anyone tells us because they add a Bible verse to it. No, guys, ask questions. Allow yourself to be curious. Allow yourself to be confused sometimes. You don't have to understand everything at first glance. Spend more time with God in worship, in prayer. Spend more time in the Bible. Understand it for yourself. One verse at a time, taking baby steps, people, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through the truth. The last temptation is found in verses 8 to 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said to him, I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. So at first glance, this looks like a pretty great promise. I mean, wow, you will give me all the kingdoms of the world and all I have to do is one simple thing. But in this temptation, Satan was offering Jesus a shortcut to the cross, essentially. You see, Jesus came to win back, which he did, all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. But in order to do this, Jesus would have to endure many hardships and sufferings. He would have to be crucified on the cross. And so what Satan is saying to Jesus is that he does not have to go through all that. All he has to do is bow down and worship him and he will get it instantly. Satan is tempting Jesus to do things his way and not God's way. So ultimately, Satan is giving Jesus 
an easier way to get what he wants. And all he has to do, again, is one simple thing. Bow down and worship Satan. But again, Jesus set the perfect example for you and I. Jesus was not focused on getting instant gratification. He knew that God's way, although it might not always seem like the easy way, it is always the better way. And he knew that what Satan was asking him to do did not line up with the word of God. So what does he do? He says, then Jesus told him, get away Satan for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What I love about this whole story is that every single time Satan tried to tame Jesus, Jesus would say, it is written. And he would rebuke the temptation and respond to Satan with the word of God. You see, the Bible was Jesus' weapon when dealing with temptation. And the same is true for us. The Bible, the word of God, is our weapon when dealing with temptation. But the only way we can use this weapon effectively is if we know what it says. Firstly, we need to know what the scripture says so we know what is right and wrong in God's eyes. So whenever we're in a moment where we feel like we're being tempted, we're able to confidently say, yep, this lines up with the word of God or nope, this does not line up with the word of God. Then we need to know what the scripture says. We need to memorize scripture so we can effectively use it. We can effectively say it in moments where we're being tempted. Now, just hearing myself say that can feel pretty intimidating because the Bible is a big book with lots of verses to learn and memorize. So what I've done in the past and what I think is a very good way when it comes to memorizing scripture to start off is learning a couple of verses that apply to you and where you are in your life right now. Like maybe if you're battling with patience, memorizing verses that speak about being patient. If you're struggling with getting angry a lot, reading about how God views this and memorizing verses that will help you and then moving on from there. Personally, some of the verses I tell myself whenever I'm being tempted are verses that have to do with this idea of walking in the newness of life. For example, Romans 6 verse 4, which says, Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. In all of that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. Or 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. So sometimes whenever I'm in a situation 
way I feel as if I'm being tempted, I remind myself and I literally tell myself, Rumbi, sin has no power over you. And I remind myself that when I sin, I'm acting like my old self. I'm not acting like the girl God's called me to be. And over and over again in my head, I recite this phrase to myself and I tell myself this phrase, walk in the newness of life, walk in the newness of life. And so that's personally something that I do. So I want to encourage you to memorize and find verses that work for you and build on from there. I was watching the sermon by Pastor J.K. Jerkins and he said something that really stood out to me. Build a strong foundation of truth. So when Satan tries to fire his thoughts, we have a defense system, which is the word of God. You see, when we read our Bibles more, when we understand the Bible more, when we memorize more scripture, we are building and making our defense system stronger to help us deal with the temptations we will face on earth. So guys, the main thing I want to leave with you, if you forgot everything I said, just remember this. Temptation is going to come our way. But God has given us a weapon, a weapon that we can use to withstand and combat this temptation that comes our way. We can use the word of God, the Bible, as a weapon when dealing with temptation. So guys, that is it for today's episode. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. I hope that you could take something from the story. Again, Matthew 4 verses 1 to 11. And I just wanted to encourage you to spend some time reading over the story, thinking about the story, and taking it up in prayer before the Lord. Guys, I hope you have an amazing rest of your week with God. Stay blessed and remember this. Jesus loves you. Peace.